Congratulations, you're listening to Congratulations Pine Tree, the Bay's number one arts and culture podcast. Okay, folks, we got an interview for you today after three years of our pandemic. Oh, I forgot to say this is Kate Rhodes, and you're going to hear Maysoon Wazwaz in a sec. Point is, we're doing an interview. Get ready. I personally consider it a great one but I'm biased, so you can give your own opinions. We want to give a huge thank you to our sustaining donors, Jim Prosser and Anonymous, that helped me soon get over to the East Bay, which she absolutely hates doing. And uh, if you want to give a donation to the show, you can go to congratulationspinetree.com. Did I thank our sustaining donors? Yes. And if you want to just send us any kind of feedback, and we'll have show announcements. People have emailed us some things. We're going to get to those next week. Thank you. Always send us stuff or give us a call, 419-351-6606. You can tweet us at Pine Tree Podcast, or you can email us, congratulationspinetree at gmail.com. We're here in beautiful Oakland, California, talking to Gabe Garza, the co-director slash curator slash everything, along with your partner in love and in art, Thea Walsh. So you're over there. Just to be clear, you're an artist also in your own right. We'll let you talk eventually. (laughs) Maybe. Okay. (laughs) Um, this is where Kate goes on a monologue for about an hour. But you're also on in you're doing in concert over there, the gallery. Okay, good, really good. We introduced you so good. I thought that was quite succinct. Thank you, Kate. <laughs> Thank you, Mason, for having me. And just to set the stage a little more for the listeners, I'm completely out of control. <laughs> This, this is an unhinged edition. Yes. Oh, well, all, all of the editions are unhinged, to be quite honest. Um, we, uh, we, I really shouldn't touch the microphone. No one touched the microphone. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Um, no, it's okay. That's it's okay. okay. You're fine. This is the um, thing Kate does all of Okay, but point Don't is... Don't nervous. I just want to ask, because of the mental weirdness that I'm bringing to the mm. table, do you deal, if you're comfortable saying, oh. do you deal with any kinds of mental weirdness and how have you found... Uh, how have you found navigating that? Yes, I I definitely um, find myself quite nervous most of the time in my life. And, uh, you know, I, I think actually living in the Bay has been uh, a great place, great space to ease my mind, which is what I experienced when I lived here a few years ago, kind of like set the precedent for wanting to move back here because I went to LA between 2019 and 2021. I yeah, I feel like LA is where I'm it's where I'm from, so that's where all my issues stem. And um, <laughs> get away know. from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Had to move away from that for a little bit. I feel a lot of clarity when I'm here, living here, working here, making art. So you found that actually moving geographically was effective for mental weirdness so i'd like all the listeners to take note of that yes to the bay not i mean you know i guess you know you can move somewhere else and have this experience too but i feel like um there's a strong 
psychic sort of uh, negativity that looms over Los Angeles mm. that's really hard to <laughs> live under. But, you know, that's just my take. I love that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Macy. I also love Los I, Angeles. I love that you're saying these things because we've <laughs> lost so many people to L.A. To LA. Right. Right. We used to do a Bay a Bay versus LA segment on the mm, podcast mm-hmm. where we, heard one, one of, of us would do yeah. you know the positive of LA or whatever negative right. here. Right. Yeah. But I feel like you just did that for us which is oh, great. Oh cool. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I really yeah, I can't thank you enough for that and You're welcome. Bless you. Thinking about the Bay Area and what you think is sort of what has helped calm or mm. relieve stress or mm. anxiety here versus LA. Like what do you think are some defining differences or yeah well I guess something that I had felt originally in my in my time here a few years ago was that there was just a stronger and more welcoming art community which is something that I always was looking for in Los Angeles and sort of had from going to art school there but when I came here I just felt like there was it was just easier to share my work and easier to listen to other people and like actual productive things came from those conversations and it didn't feel like networky it didn't feel like social climbing just was sort of how it was and i think that's generally because there's maybe less pressure which some people like to have to keep their practices moving in a certain way so i really felt attuned to that and felt like i wanted to bring that more into my life, but also to create projects and have my practice be surrounded by that energy. Also, the proximity to nature, like, is so spectacular. It's unbelievable, you know, just five minutes in any direction from our place in Oakland. Just, it's, it's, yeah, you can get everything, anything you want to see. The most beautiful, gorgeous views and nature, exercise, whatever, you know. Which you can get in LA too, but it's it's more. Um, you have you to sit in like an hour of traffic yes. first. You have to go. And it's you either dustier. It's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely drier, dustier, and yeah, you have to go much further to to find it. Seclusion, you know, is yeah. is hard to find there. Yeah. Um, which can be strange here too when you sort of feel like nobody's around, or even which happens, I think, a lot in the the city. Uh, more so. Um, have you seen any wildflowers in the Bay Area recently? Oh. Because I really, um, my birthday is on Tuesday and oh I want to get the hell out and yeah. go like roll around in, in the grass, grassy wildflower zone. I've just been Will you give me, oh, yeah, go ahead, seeing okay. them like everywhere. Not, you know, like I haven't seen like the in, massive. In like but the medians even, like yeah, just in the totally. city, right? You just, yeah, just go drive around for your birthday. Just <laughs> hit the streets. <laughs> LA, LA style. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What part of LA did you grow up in? Uh, in Silver Lake. And that's where my parents still live. And I was living there during the beginning of pandemic and running a project from my house too uh showing other people's art it was called punto was layers me? inc yeah yes. <laughs> um it was it was a year-long project that i did um and it was really influenced by my time growing up there and like collaborated a lot with my neighbors and mm-hmm. you know invited people into my family's yard which is really special experience you know a lot of the times when I say like I'm from Silver Lake people say 
you must have seen so much change. I was you know. just gonna do that. No, <laughs> oh, gosh, should oh, I, I not? Have let you. you didn't have to. You saved me soon on that one. Well, it's 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 true, but it's I think just. Still work. I'm like, oh my god. I'm like, that seems like a kind of a nightmare place to me now. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I mean, anyway, yeah. Sorry. No, I know what you mean, and and I I think it's just sort of been it's been the same for me my whole life. Like it's just been constantly changing and constantly growing uh, in terms of like businesses and mm-hmm. you know, like where my parents live, it's all residential. It's like on the north side of the lake and it's not like a, it is a beautiful place and you know, young cool people move there, but uh, it's mostly families. Like everyone on our block has lived there forever. Like mm-hmm. my neighbor on my left has been living there for like 40 years you know that's it's just it's it's just it's just like a kind of normal neighborhood too you know were your parents still there while you were doing this curatorial project yes yeah they were are and they, they were involved artists? too well I love that. yeah hey. they 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 are artists um my my mom is a producer of theater original theater works shout out about productions <laughs> about pd.org <laughs> um my dad is the uh chair of the uh arts journalism program at usc holy um shit. holy which shit. is a recent appointment this is why yeah, oscar garza is, yeah. and Teresa chavez my mom um and they they both have made art visual art a different points in their lives my mom went to cal arts uh in the 80s and then taught there for many years um but i did do a show of their work that they made before they knew each other from the late 80s that was really really special um just like stuff that i know i love that I know it actually makes me kind of emotional thinking about it. Too. Yeah, <laughs> good. We have our tissue. The box. tissues were prepped. That's really sweet. Um, <laughs> it, it was a really rad show. Like, and yeah, it was it was work that I had uncovered while we were kind of uh, cleaning the house during COVID time. You know, doing that kind of you know throwing stuff away and finding things. And um, yeah, that was a really good show. It was our. It was our first show in 2021 and then they both contributed also to the final group show that i had which was a 40 person group show oh yeah okay as an artist because i think of you Mm. as number one an artist thank you number two a total mint (laughs) (laughs) number three a curator. Oh. <clears throat> and I just wonder sometimes, like, why curate? Because as okay. an artist, I'm like, I understand the impulse to make art. Right. But then putting a show together, I'm kind of a little more, like, um, estranged from that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what I was getting at before reaching towards was just that I have so many friends and people in community who make art and don't have the opportunity to show it. And I just felt like when I started the project at my house, I just felt like I had this giant space to work with and wanted to invite people, especially during this time that was so difficult for making artwork for many. Um, And also it seemed like a moment where 
there was going to be a huge change in how artwork was going to get shown. And it, that did happen for a while where like people weren't really going into galleries, you know, that I just had the time and space really oh. to, uh, you know, you know, give people that, that space and opportunity to, to show work and, and to have them meet other artists and like create new relationships in art community and so that's been my drive sort of just like yeah friends and family that's 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 my what I like to see in art space but you know coming now into this project in concert um, that I'm running with Theodora Walsh my wife it's we sort of have like a different scale because we have an interior sort of more traditional art space so it feels like we have this opportunity to reach out to people or collaborate with people who we don't really know Mm -hmm. um which hasn't totally happened yet like but we're sort of working on some things in that in that sense more traditional curation style but I'm always attuned to just who I know who's you know around me yeah Mm -hmm. yeah do you want to talk about Ocean's show the first show you yeah totally well I guess, yeah, I guess with these shows that we're doing right now, like also because my relationship to a lot of artists in the Bay is newer, at least in the span of my whole life, um, because I showed some people in my other projects that I have known since I was a child, you know, uh, like my parents. Um, (laughs) uh, Well, when I when I moved back to the Bay uh, in fall 2021, I started to work again at Nyad Art Center in Richmond, which I had had a short stint at a few years ago. And Ocean Escalante and I started working right at the same time, doing the same job, facilitating in the painting and drawing area. And we just, she's, she's from SoCal and from San Diego. And like, we just had a lot of overlap in our art, life trajectory Uh, now we like co-run the field trip program which is really fun and we got a studio together and right around that time and it was our both of our first studios we never had a working space like that so when that happened I started to see that she was developing something that looked like a body of work that should be presented together in a space and Thea was also getting to know her just from us all hanging out more and so that just became the first show um which i i i found combined the sort of you know feelings that i like to have for other projects i'd done in the past or it felt like past projects because i was like oh yeah it's just like my friend but also like more serious like Mm -hmm. ocean's first solo show and it's in our first gallery show um yeah that's how that came together can you talk about how you guys um came or just i guess how you came about to getting the space or having that space oh totally yeah wasn't thea doing some kind of thing with claudia larocco on uh backroom the blog with small press traffic that's right so thea got asked to do a piece for the backroom about the closure of cushion works because jordan was going to sort of dissolve the project here uh and through that conversation and interviewing that was happening over a few months Mm -hmm. he decided to ask Thea if she and 
I wanted to sort of take over the space um, and manage his shows and also do our own project. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, uh, Cushion Works just used this one room, the larger room. And then during COVID, they started to use the smaller room that's right next next door um, or, you know, in the hallway. Uh, and so we're sharing both. So we, we, we go back and forth every show now. Um, and yeah, Jordan had come and seen um, an exhibition that we had done in at our house. Um, we had we had planned a series and or executed a series of shows uh, called That's Amore that we did um, <laughs> in artists' homes, showing their art. Um, that's sort of like from their private collection, basically, oh. and reformatting a space in their place to be sort of exhibition ready. Um, so we worked with our neighbor that we live in the same building of. Uh, neighbors Paige Valentine and Lucas Terranova who knew Jordan from SFAI they were both um students of Lindsay White Jordan's partner um and so he came and saw that and I I I think that that was sort of that was the jumping off point of Mm. him sort of seeing how we were working and planning exhibitions um and and yeah that was that we established this this setup which is really awesome, yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, I read Thea's, that essay was beautiful and oh, made yeah. me cry most definitely oh, <laughs> as someone who's yeah. lived in the Bay Area for a very long time. Yeah. Um, but it was such great news, you know, hearing Christian Works was, was, or Jordan was, Jordan Lindsay were leaving. Oh my God, what's happening with the space? But to hear another, you know, gallery or, yeah, project spaces opening was really exciting, I thought. Yeah. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it felt miraculous. And, and sort of, I think everyone was worried that it was, you know, Cushion Works was becoming a part of this sort of sort of deflation of art space in the Bay, which, you know, I from coming from sort of outside in a way, like, I, I still was feeling this resurgence of like, artistic energy just from being here for myself. Cool. And um, obviously places are still closing and some are moving and changing, but it just seems like it's part of the natural cycle of like the art environment here. You know, it's not, doesn't feel so surprising to me, but I also haven't been here for so long, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it just, it feels like there's still a lot going on and I'm, I'm really happy that we can be a part of that sustaining did you have a mm-hmm. question no go mm. ahead i wanted to ask you about yeah i i just i like the names of your galleries oh cool and i they're <laughs> they're just more creative than i think a lot of them tend to be you know that's usually like right, an address or the name the name of you know like sure you know and i i was like oh that's i think it's refreshing <laughs> and I, yeah, I yeah. Love it. and there's some humor to them a little yeah, bit so totally i wanted to see if you could just talk about some of that <laughs> definitely well <laughs> the first project I mentioned, Punto Layers, Inc., um, is an anagram of Upton Sinclair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, <laughs> yeah, um, right. but that Whoa. was not like, that was, that. this is like a, that's, it's sort of like, it was a secret that that was the name, you know, um, or the background for the name. Um, and I chose that because I was doing research on this book that Upton Sinclair wrote with uh, his wife, Mary uh, Sinclair. 
And she, the book is called Mental Radio, and it's about her sort of telepathic abilities. It's it's a work of like pseudoscience, Mm. and it's also an art project. They ran their experiments by having Mary um, create drawings that she was uh, that that were the result of her, you know, sort of telecommunicating with (laughs) people from, you know, sometimes it was someone in the other room, but they also conducted it with people who were like in other countries. Mm. Um, And so the book sort of documents their findings. And there's all these really great sort of weird drawings that are collected in the book. Um, So I was interested in this collaborative project and, you know, having a writer and an artist create this document and like, yeah, working with tons and tons of people. Albert Einstein wrote the intro. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, so, so that, that jumped off or, or that set the tone for Punto Layers Inc. in terms of it being two person shows where I was thinking about this cross sort of like, you know, cross psychic boundary that people can share and like maybe um i was seeing seeing similarities in people's work or thinking uh, around their practices and just gathering them uh in these in my in my yard the first five shows we did were people who hadn't ever shown work together and then the second set of five shows were all people who had known each other for like a really long time like Mm -hmm. my parents Mm -hmm. but had never shown work together um mostly romantic but some like friend relationships too um and also like punto's point in spanish and and so it's supposed to be like point making in a layer Mm -hmm. incorporated yeah (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah and then that's a more which thea and i produced together uh was came from a phrase the full phrase is that's a more better way of doing things. Okay. Um, so it was just, yeah, sort of cutting that off, but also obviously that's a more day, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the full phrase came from this idea of explaining how to work on a project when you are not totally cohesive in speaking. <laughs> <laughs> like you would say, that's a more better way. Um, yeah. Uh, and then in concert is um, it was derived from the the moment that Jordan sort of formally asked us to do the project. The, the day that he asked us, I was looking at this live album by this big band musician and it just said live in concert on it. And I... Mm-hmm felt super attracted to the name and just the spirit of concert uh, in terms of agreement, accordance, and harmony, which is like the proper definition, but also musical relationship and, you know, um, just working together and how we are in concert with Jordan and, you know, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And with the cushion work space. I mean, I, I wanted to say this earlier that, really the one of the main people who sort of keeps cushion works the gallery and in concert going and uh 
wanted to continue to have a gallery in the space is um, Susan, who runs Cushion Works, the business. Mm-hmm. Like she's been so supportive and um, continues to uh, just really enliven our project through her um, just dedication to uh, supporting artists. Um, for listeners that may not be familiar, there is an actual cushion manufacturing company on the bottom floor beneath, well, the first floor. And third floor. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Above and below Ooh. the Cushion Works Gallery. Yes. And they are avid enthusiasts of Borzois. What? Excuse me? That dog. Oh, the dog. <laughs> What are the artists? Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, boysers. <laughs> um, boysers? I, no, boysers? no. Is is that what they're called? People, this is Kate from the future, letting you know that the dogs that the cushion works people are into are actually Salukis. Gabe informed me after the interview was over. Okay, back to it. They're kind of like a really furry greyhound. Yes, exactly. Oh, they got a long face on them. Yes, that's They're right. They're so cute. They're so cute. They have three of them. They're show dogs, and um, part of <laughs> part of the initial like knowing that we were going to be a right fit for this space was that when we went with Jordan to have our meeting with Susan, we had just been. Uh, the weekend before in Santa Rosa to just hang out. But we'd gotten word from our friend and artist Daisy Chef that there was a dog show that was happening. And I we thought she Daisy paints like dogs in her work a lot. So we thought she was talking about a group art show or something. And and she was like, no, no, there's a dog like, you know, Yukonuba dog thing happening. Like a competitive dog show. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Where they cup their balls. (laughs) They do, Mason. They have to be intact. I know, it's weird. They they do that. It's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, not all the dogs seem happy in their position at the the dog show. I was just wondering. um, (laughs) Where is the consent on that one? Totally. Everything, I mean, everything for the dogs is non-consensual. Yeah. True. I think about that a lot when I see almost every dog, you know, mm-hmm. only the ones that are off leash are really free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when we went to go but meet their with... their DNA is part of our manipulation. Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> we breed them. They're not meant to right, be like right. this. Right, right. They've been yeah. programmed now to <laughs> live this way. Well, one day they'll take it all back. <laughs> um, well, yeah. So we anyway, when we had our meeting with Susan and Jordan, we realized that she had also been at the dog show doing Aww. we we didn't see her, but she was there like racing her dogs. Uh, and so she immediately just was like so happy to know that we were like, you know, looking at the same things in the yeah. real world. You know, she's a real one. Yeah. <laughs> Highly recommend communicating with Susan next time you're at Cushion Works. Are her dogs? Are those dogs friendly or? Are... Um, sort of. Not not like uh as not like a Labrador not like, or something. Yeah, exactly. They're they they're not super. I would say approachable, and they're so beautiful. You kind of don't need like want to interact. You just want to look at them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, they kind of keep to themselves. They're very quiet, too. Um, you know. They have a very, like, proper demeanor. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Very regal. 
Um, I wanted to just rewind a little bit and ask if you believe in psychic power. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Please say more. Well, I mean, especially when I was doing this research for the project and reading the book, I felt um, like I, I could remember moments in my life where I'd had experiences where I felt, you know, like moments or communications were happening because of just thinking power. I, I guess I've like brought friends and like relationship into my life that is built on that sort of thinking or like similarities and interests, you know, like more general sort of overlaps in just what you're what people are thinking about, you know, but I have had experiences um, and with Thea a lot too, actually, like more than anyone I've ever known in my life. We're often like communicating and seeing things on a level that feels telecommunicative, I would say, um, which is good for working together. Yeah, yeah. But we also like sometimes always know what we're, you know, thinking about. Obviously, it's from just learned and, you know, just from just from time spent together but you don't think it's because of being connected on the astral plane i think that we are also like yeah sort of yeah um wed in that space too yeah um kind of like sitting on the astral couch together you know do you believe in like a a, another plane of existence and then also what happens when we die i don't I, I still I feel pretty uncertain right now what happens when we die. But I do think that there are definitely other plans. I'm very much into this idea of people like who have passed or like who haven't existed yet or, you know, just kind of being in the space between our world. Kind of, you know, they're they're accessible in some in some ways. Yeah. I don't really practice like communicating with people in that way, but I often feel like uh, not often, but I have experiences where I feel like someone is, you know, showing me something or guiding me or like people in my family or like, I guess even people that are alive too, right? Like that can like give you things from afar, from other places. Cause you're kind of like putting things out into that place and then it's mm. coming back down into your space. On How do I do that? <laughs> Um, (laughs) I think drinking a lot of water is good. Yeah. Which, thank you so much for bringing the bubbly out. (laughs) 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 The carbonation is probably really good for that. Like, you know, (laughs) really popping your mind open. I don't know. I don't know. I actually find that um, running, which is something I've done uh, for a long time, brings me into this place more clearly where I'm kind of like processing and understanding like why things are happening or where things are coming from or I can locate or make sense of, um, you know, just things that are happening, good or bad, you know. Mm. Um, So, yeah, just like a little exercise in water. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's pretty easy. (laughs) Are you going to start running and drinking water now? I drink a lot of water because I have a compulsion to be constantly chewing on ice. But, oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> that is bad for your teeth. <laughs> There's sure one enough. thing my dentist has told me in my life that I actually believe. It's that chewing ice is bad for your teeth. Were you doing it and they were trying to stop Yes, you? they knew I was doing it. They oh. were like, we can see that you have been doing this for a really long time. And it did actually kind of pretty much almost completely stop me from doing it. Because it seems like it's actually pretty bad. How did you stop? Um, 
I you just, just stopped. were scared straight. Well, I did something that was also like following in the footsteps of my mom's drink uh, ordering lineage, which is to not order ice in a drink. Or like if you get water at the table, like no ice. Yeah. We don't keep ice in our home also. Well, we have these spherical ones. Okay. I'm like, what about cocktails or something <laughs> we like ha- that? Yes, we have for shooting. cocktails, we have these like spherical giant ice, giant ice that you that cannot you put in you're your choke mouth. to death. Please do not. <laughs> okay, but... Uh, did everyone in your family have a chewing ice compulsion? Um, no, but (laughs) (laughs) my grandfather on my dad's side, my dad's dad ran an ice house in Texas, uh, which was like sort of a place we could actually go buy ice and, you know, chip away at the pick and take some home. But it was also uh, a bar and, um, sort of concert hall. Yeah, in San Antonio, Texas. Ice is in your blood. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was called Willie's. Wow. Willie's yeah. Ice House. Yep. <laughs> I feel like you need to bring that back too. I've thought about it. I've it, in in one of my like fantasies of moving to San Antonio, it's like to sort of re envision a project like that. Mm. And a, the, a lot of these old ice houses have been converted into more contemporary bars, you know. But yeah, they're really cool spaces. Really like sort of they're a lot they're they're kind of shabby but and and bare bones but they were really uh, amazing like meeting spaces for everybody in the neighborhoods like after work like you know just like dancing singing mm-hmm. a lot of conjunto music was mm-hmm. performed at these places do you want to say a little bit about what you've been working on lately in your own individual art practice i feel like yeah. so much of your work was focused on cars <laughs> and so i'm wondering <laughs> if cars. being out mm-hmm. of la has changed that a little well yes it i mean i i when i lived here a few years ago i became incredibly inspired by bumper stickers which is something i had i had been working on um in the past i i I made my first bumper sticker in high school and i made my second bumper sticker in college uh and then i continued to were these like you got a like a sticker sheet and like drew on it with like sharpie or painting or did you how what does that mean well all of the bumper sticker pieces that i've made were all produced um, through a company called buildassign.com, which uh, is based in Austin, Texas. And um, I had learned about them in high school, produced this sticker that said, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on it. It's It said, you can't go anywhere anymore without anyone being there. And it was like, with the, there was a stock image of the desert in the background, just with the text playing. I only made two. One, <laughs> one, one, one was on my car, and then the other one I gave to my friend Dorothy Hoover, who I had sort of produced the piece for, um, which is a way I had been... I continued to make some of the stickers that a lot of them were sort of one-offs where there was one archival, one for the car or like one for me, one for somebody else. Um, But yeah, when I, when I was living in Berkeley in 2018, 2019, I just became incredibly into making and designing and having ideas for stickers. And I was seeing a lot more that were um, adorned in a way that was very full. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's. I mean, you see it everywhere, but I felt like in Berkeley, I yeah, <laughs> saw it more than ever in my life. 
Um, and I just re really loved that space as like a display for sculpture. And I was thinking of all of these works, even though they're flat as sculptural um, and like, you know, reading the text from afar through the car or like from the street sort of creates this uh, access to material that is um, a little different from when you're inside of a gallery or like reading a book, like just kind of open air or like open space between yourself mm -hmm. and the work, which I found like really valuable in um, thinking of alternative ways of, yeah, processing art. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, 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 I've made a, a few works with cars, like my thesis work for uh, UCLA undergrad art. I had um, all the combustible parts of my car removed so I could put the car inside of the gallery in like fire marshal approval version because oh. <laughs> there had to be nothing that could catch or like start a fire basically so um, what, I mean that sounds like almost everything it was everything like <laughs> okay they, I'm like I don't even like no, seats are it, could right right well, basically anything Wait, seats you no, no, oh, okay. no. I just feel like no, I know what you mean. The, but the no definition gasoline. of okay, the, exactly oil. Anything where where oil or gas was running through the car. So any moving part, any moving part, and anything. like hoses. Uh, yes, the 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 hoses and like I'm basically um, an automotive <laughs> engineer. <laughs> I mean, you're spot on with this detail. So it's it's like the, like the frame. Yes, basically everything underneath Maybe? and in front it's of under the hood. But the shit that runs oil goes or inside. Gas through it. The interior of the car <laughs> remained intact. It looked intact. Like yes. when you okay. see it, it looks normal yeah. unless you like open the hood. Right. right? Yeah. One of the other things that made it seem like unusual was that because so much weight had been removed from mm. the front of the car, it was lifted, mm. kind of like lowrider style, oh. like um, which I thought was really nice, but. Yeah, so I, I'd used my car for that piece. Um, I just wanted to create something that... Wait, you uh, used your own car for that? Yes. It was a car. It was my mom's car that she had given to me. <laughs> um, it was like on its way out anyway. Okay. So it was kind of time for it to be used for a sculpture <laughs> uh, to be commemorated. And um, then after that, I got a truck that I named Tuxedo Toyota, which um, lives in Silver Lake, which was sort of like an art car. Um, and I, I, I had, there's been a performance that I've developed with it that I haven't actually executed, but that became my vehicle. And then I bought, actually the first time I did a curatorial project in Silver Lake was at my across the street neighbor's house he was moving and selling his house and it was going to be demolished. And he asked me if I wanted to curate a group show in the house as a last hurrah. Mm. So we kind of co-curated that. Basically, he he created an installation inside of his home and then I curated my friend's work all outside and in the garage. Um, that was called Reservoir Coyote. It's like a two-day thing. <laughs> But he sold me his Toyota 1999 Toyota Camry for $200. Hell yeah. Great deal. Amazing. Um, <laughs> after the show, because he was moving uh, to London. And um, so that's been my car up until last week when it died on me. 
Um, uh, it just R. passed. R.I.P. will play the song. I'm really hoping I can get it back into shape. I know, yeah. I know. It's It happened with the truck and with this car. I basically like got them from their first owners and the Volvo too, my mom's car, the the, the first art car. <laughs> and I basically ran them all into the ground. Um, we drove, Thea and I drove it to LA a couple weeks ago and that was sort of, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> the final, yeah. final drive. Yeah, yeah. But that car is what I call the bumper car, which has all of my first set of bumper stickers on it that I produced in 2018, 19. Um, so, so yeah, I've sort of been, I, I sort of moved away from using build design and also making stickers. Um, I'm, I'm developing some new ways of making more like analog sticker and uh, analog kind of like flat signage work. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, yeah, build design was very giving, but uh, it was all, you know, print on demand. And so it has a very particular aesthetic. And I, I really loved using it for a long time, just like mm-hmm. sort of plugging my ideas into this rudimentary design program that's on their website and just sort of having that as the style of the work. Uh, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in the car and transportation and, and uh, you know, I don't know. I've be, I'm I, just this week. I'm like trying to figure out new ways of getting around, like borrowing my wife's car. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. Which does have some of my art stickers on it oh. too, <laughs> which I also saw pinned up on the wall or on oh, the really? bulletin board out uh, on the front. Yeah, Love help that. trace maps. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So also. Okay. Uh. Well, okay, you went to UCLA, right? Yep. Okay. Go Bruins. So, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but uh so I do have to ask and feel free not to answer, but do you want to say anything about Andrea Fraser? Um, well, I honestly can't say much because I did not take a class with her. I actually went into I I tried to take an advanced new genres class with her when I was a sophomore and she didn't let me into the class, but I did get to sit in the first, it was because I wasn't like old enough, basically. Everyone else who was in the class was like a junior or senior and they had precedent for this Mm -hmm. class that was already impacted. And the, but I, I remember that first day she had us perform like a, group she split us up into multiple small groups and we each had to create an installation in the room using the tables and chairs and we sort of set a scene of like my group like stacked the tables on top of each other and like the chairs on top of the tables and we all just kind of like sat on them um (laughs) and created a sculpture I guess I I don't I don't remember really what the exercise was for I think it was just to sort of I don't know I guess it was to like weed out me and then I got I I don't remember like contributing (laughs) very much to the project and sort of felt like it's not wasn't what I wanted to be doing and then I I wasn't in the class but a lot of my friends who studied with her um, really really liked her um, teaching a lot and continued to work with her and I think currently, um, this might have just changed, but she was the the chair of the department for the last few years, and mm. she 
she took uh, Mary Kelly's position as the head of the interdisciplinary program because um, Mary Kelly left and actually now teaches at USC. Yeah, it was a, it was a whoa. Why didn't she retire? I don't know. It it, it was mean, a it was a retirement. Yeah, doing not retire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think that was what everybody thought was happening. But then she got offered this like really esteemed chair in the USC art department. Wow. So. Um, she was amazing to work with, Mary. Um, I took this great sort of psychoanalytical critique class where you, you, you people were installing work every week based on a medium. So it started with like drawing and then painting, sculpture, performance, and then like installation. Or maybe it was installation, then performance. But the crit started with the group walking into the room and just kind of talking about what the room felt like mm -hmm. and you you talk about the walls and the lights and the floor and you wouldn't actually get to the point of the work until much later on like we we take a break before we even got to talking about the artwork and by the end of it there would be a moment where you know we'd we'd stop she would stop the group from talking and then say what she thought the work was about based on what everybody had said. And, oh. you know, she'd say like, so this is about your relationship with your father. And then, ever, and the artist would be like, oh my God, like, yes. And then that would be it. That'd be the end of the class. <laughs> so, <laughs> it, and it, it was just through this very like, wow. yeah, analytical, <laughs> like, but very pragmatic, like relationship to critique. And it always ended up sort of getting to the, you know, point of the work, the core, yeah. the core of the work. It was really amazing. But would um, the, the artists would never be like reject whatever the final save no. was. They would be like, you fucking got it. Because she was so on point. Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. That's amazing. But it was um, kind of like through kind of like a divining in the group that she was being like the lightning rod. Exactly. Taking on the groups. It was kind of like she knew the whole time. And sometimes when people would say like sort of the not the wrong thing, but we're going in a direction that was too sort of like referential to something else or like reading too quickly into the work <laughs> she would stop them and, and say like nope like take a step back uh or or and then eventually once we were getting closer and closer she would say no no closer come closer and like point at like one little tiny part of the work or like you know one side of the piece and be like look here like this is where the information is located and if, I love yeah, her. yeah. Oh my she's, god, she's she's she totally. I I can't imagine that she doesn't believe in telepathy and like psychic the powers. I mean, yeah. a lot of her, her yeah, a lot of her like post uh, partum work that she did that was working with her child was all about that relationship of you know sort of interpreting and like working with somebody whose like cognition is not totally verbal i mean it moved into that space because mm. the work was continued to be made as this her son became an adult but um yeah she's really rad okay so we always like to ask for our final can question ask, can we oh sorry oh. this is a really quick one yeah what is your what? astrological sign oh great one we should all i am a cancer thank you july 14th oh mm -hmm. psychic 
Yes. <laughs> water signs are very psychic. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Do you think that's because like the water is the body that is like surrounding everything? Like everybody sort of like lives inside of the water space. Yeah, and we're I mean, full of water. water. Our brains have water. a shit ton right. of water. Also, um, it's all fake. Right. So <laughs> I So you can kind of say whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> say whatever you want. But it's true though, because Pisces Well that's why drinking more water can make you better um Ooh. at telepathy. There and you <laughs> motherfucking have it. Okay. <laughs> Um, so we always like to ask for our final question. Is there anything else you would like listeners to know? I definitely want to plug coming to in concert. Mm-hmm. We're open Thursdays and Saturdays, two to five. Thea's usually there on Thursdays. I'm usually there on Saturdays. You can make an appointment too. Very, very proud of our current show, Dorian Reed, backed with Reed's Records and um that's open until May 27th. Um, but yeah, I guess something else I could say is that, um, well, I, I've been, I, in my explanation of my artwork that I'm working on now, I've, I feel like I'm in this period in my art career uh, where, or I recently was in this period where I had to like, I felt like I had to reassess how I was working. And a lot of people around me my age have, been I think in this position too right now like sort of coming out of COVID like figuring out how to and this isn't just an age you know like like this is everybody's having some of these feelings right like how to reevaluate working on things and I really think that looking back at like older work and and even things like if you can find artwork you made as a child if that exists like I think that just sort of it's not a reversion. It's just sort of like, a, you know, looking back and taking information from that place, I think can be really valuable because it's just from before you had all of these like worries and issues. Like, again, like when you're asking me how I'm sort of finding comfort in my like mental unwellness, like <laughs> definitely thinking about when I was uh, like looking at this work from when I was a kid, it feels like it's just full of, um, yeah. It's it's full of inspiration for me. So go find your old notebooks <laughs> and recreate that. the work. And really then good. move forward from there. Yeah. yeah. We love some concrete advice cool. on the show. <laughs> well, thank you so much for putting up with all of my bullshit today. And, I love talking uh, to y'all. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I'm so glad to have you as our first interview Yay. in three years. I know. And as always... Congratulations. Congratulations. Wow. Okay, what'd you think? I thought that was a fantastic interview. Aside from me having to look for cables for three hours while <laughs> Gabe and Maysoon waited. I want to thank them for that. And I want to say we'll be seeing you from the bridge to the other bridge to the island in between. This has been Congratulations Pine Tree!